Hello there, and welcome once again to Insight Peterborough. I'm Devin Wilkins. Insight Peterborough is a project of the Canadian Council of the Blind, otherwise affectionately known as the CCB. And if you'd like to know more about the CCB, either about what we're doing here in Peterborough or what's happening nationally, because uh, they do have uh, chapters across Canada for people who are blind, deafblind, and partially sighted, you can send an email to ccbpeterborough at gmail.com. That address again is ccbpeterborough at gmail.com. Well, this is still the month of November. Mind you, we've, we've passed uh, Remembrance Day, but uh, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't kind of refresh ourselves as to what WarAmps Canada is all about. And uh, back in 29, uh, 29, back in 2019, <laughs> I had the chance to have a chat with two people from uh, WarAmps Canada. And uh, so they're going to tell us a little bit. We're going to dig back into the archives and get them to tell us about WarAmps Canada, but also their lives as amputees. We were really lucky because we had the opportunity to find two employees of War Amps in Ottawa, one uh, who grew up here in Norwood and the other who grew up in uh, Peterborough. And Jamie Lund grew up in uh, Norwood. Hi there, Jamie. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. And Rachel Quilty, who is uh, uh, a native of uh, Peterborough. Hi, Rachel. Hello. Thank you for having me. So glad you were able to join us. So, we're so happy to be here. Yeah, well, it's, it's important not to uh, forget. Um, can you tell us, can one of you tell us how um, War Amps and when War Amps uh, came into existence? Sure. Um, so the War Amps started actually after the First World War when a lot of war amputee veterans uh, lost limbs um, and they were coming back to Canada. And, you know, at that time, amputation wasn't really as well understood uh, or, or even uh, as well known as, as it is now. And so they really banded together and started the War Amps uh, immediately after the First World War. And we're actually going on our 101st anniversary this year. So wow. the War Amps has been around for over 100 years. Yes, it's wonderful. Congratulations. That's great. Thank you. I'll bet you a lot of people back then kind of faced a, a lot of discrimination and um, a lot of education that needed to be done about uh, people who were amputees, right? Definitely, yes. I think that it was uh, it was definitely something um, that, that wasn't really understood. You know, a lot of amputees were may have been uh, thought to not be able to uh, to really work in a lot of uh, situations or, or to, to, you know, be uh, in the same workforce as, as a lot of uh, fully able-bodied people. And, and so, you know, that was actually part of the reason why, uh, you know, the War Amps started uh, and, and the War Amps started the key tech service uh, and to have uh, employment for uh, these servicemen who wanted to continue giving back to Canada, and they did that after the Second World War. Right. Um, we can we can talk about that in a minute, but just to to um, go back to uh, uh, yourselves, um, uh, you have both um, been amputees for most of your lives, right? Yes, I um, I was born. Jamie and myself both were born missing um, our limbs below the elbow, so I'm missing my limb just below my elbow on my left side. And Jamie has a similar amputation; she's missing her limb on her right side. 
we were both born this way, um, and to this day, they don't really know a reason why. So Jamie and I have lived our entire lives as amputees. And have you found that, that you faced, um, I don't know if you want to call it discrimination or, or a lack of knowledge mm-hmm. about amputees? There's a, uh, definitely a, a lack of knowledge that um, amputees experience at different levels across the country. Um, and even depending on what school or city you attend, you go to. And so growing up, I, haven't, I hadn't had too many issues with, with discrimination or bullying. People were very open to learning. Um, but it was through educating them that that, that was able to happen. As people, they're uneducated, it's just difficult to understand because the amputee world um, is huge. There's a lot of knowledge that needs to be learned and understood for, for people to to understand why uh, we are the way we are, or why we have to do things a little bit differently, or why our bodies might be sore when it's raining out, and things like that. Right. Uh, about amputation, just like uh, blindness in my case, or uh, 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 kind of a, a bummed ankle in Bob's case, that doesn't affect the rest of the uh, uh, person, does it, as far as... Um, intellect and that sort of, and intelligence and that sort of thing goes. Definitely not. And, you know, I think that uh, the War Amps really shows that through many of our programs that we have for amputees across Canada. Um, you know, we really uh, do encourage amputees to really to, uh, to really develop a positive approach to their amputations uh, and to look forward to um, all of the things that they can do, maybe just a little bit differently, but um, but the fact that we can live full, active, healthy lives uh, just just slightly differently. So was the key tag program the the first program that the war amps uh, developed after the war? They also, yes, that's very true. And they also uh, helped to uh, fight for uh, compensation as well for after losing their limbs during war as well. Mm-hmm. So um, historically, uh, the War Amps has always fought for the rights of um, veterans and the rights of amputees. Uh, and they've done that um, very, since the very, very beginning. But, uh, but one of their very first major accomplishments definitely um, was the War Amps Key Tag Service, and, uh, and it continues to employ uh, Canadians with disabilities and, and Canadians with amputations today, and, and that is something that is so incredible about this Key Tag Service is that these servicemen, they really wanted to continue giving back to Canada. You know, they had, they had gone overseas. They knew that they might lose their lives while fighting for their country. Um, they lost their limbs while fighting for their country. They returned home um, not really sure what their lives would look like going forward. And, and they really, really wanted to be able to continue working and to continue serving Canadians. And so they did that through the War Amps Key Tech Service. And it has proven to be a, a wonderful service for people who have lost their keys and uh, uh, anyone who finds them, they don't have to know the person that lost them. They just pop them into a, a mailbox, right, if they have this tag on? Yep, that's correct. So I know um, I've lost my mother's keys before in the winter. Uh-oh. I dropped them out of my pocket. And keys nowadays, especially for a car, are very expensive to replace. Yeah. And my mom told me that I was looking at about $500 to replace my car keys. Um, for, well, I guess, her car keys, and I spent 15 minutes um, looking in the snow, and I went into every store on the street to ask if anyone had seen them. I lost them downtown Peterborough, um, and I was kind of planning how I was going to save up enough money to return the keys for my mom, and then the snow melted, and I got a package in the mail, and it was my mom's keys who had been returned by the war amps, um, and so that for example, saved me $500, and it was all because someone either picked up the key, dropped them in the mailbox, or you can also call the number on the back of the key. There's a 1-800 number there, and they'll, whoever you call will direct you to how to get them back to the person, so putting them into a mailbox or um, having a courier deliver them back to the person. Now, one of the questions that I've always wanted to ask, and this is an excellent opportunity, of course, I don't have car keys, so, but I do have keys, which are very important to me. 
can I get one of those tags as well? Of course. They're available to anyone who thinks that, who thinks that they can use them. You know, we hear all the time that people put them on to a lot of different types of things that they don't want to use or lose, sorry, um, like like car keys or like house keys, um, you know, boat keys in some um, situations, USB devices, um, oh. you know, anything that uh, you really don't want to lose. Um, you know, the Warrants has returned many, many things over the years, and, and we are, uh, we're so happy that we're able to help so many people. Wonderful. And... Uh... So how does one go about uh, uh, getting a, a tag for their keys or whatever? So you can actually contact the Waramps and order your own key tag, or anyone can, uh, by going to uh, waramps.ca, and there's a key tag uh, service area there. Um, or you can go to one eight, or you can call 1-800-250-3030, and you can... Uh, ask someone there how to order your key tags. Um, and again, the key tags will come uh, every year in the springtime, and they're mailed by postal code. So when you receive them and attach them to your keys, uh, it really does help. Uh, it acts as a safeguard um, in case you ever lose them. Uh, when people find value in this service, uh, they choose to donate to the War Amps, and that's really how we're able to fund all of our programs for amputees across Canada. So, um, again, these servicemen, uh, they really wanted to continue, you know, working. They really want to continue to give back to Canada, but it also helped to generate funds for the association, and it continues to do that today. Terrific. So then what uh, what program uh, came uh, uh, next after the, uh, the uh, key tag program? The WARAMPS... Um, when they realized that many of their needs had been met, you know, they had really talked to the, talked to the government and made sure that all their needs were met there. Um, they realized that, uh, that there were a lot of children and civilian amputees who also need to be assisted. Uh, and so they started, the, the WAMP started the WAMP's CHAMP program, and that's really where Rachel and I come in. Uh-huh. Um, the CHAMP program for child amputees um, encourages uh, child amputees to develop uh, the winter circle philosophy, which again is um, a positive approach to living with uh, amputation and a positive approach to challenges uh, that, uh, that as amputees we face every single day. Um, and, uh, you know, I was bo- when I was born, um, the War Amps CHAMP program contacted myself and asked uh, my parents or contacted my parents and asked if they wanted help raising their amputee child. And from the very beginning, I've been part of this wonderful organization, learning from war amputee members um, and learning from the war amps uh, on how to really, you know, have that positive approach and, and to really be able to accomplish anything that I put my mind to as an amputee. Wonderful. That's great. Now, um, can people get assistance from the champs? program even as adults or is it mostly for children so we also have an adult amputee program as well so we also assist adult amputees as well so it's just they're just two different programs um so we we assist all amputees across canada we also uh continue to assist uh war amputee veterans uh as well as uh as as those who are um still enlisted so uh we've been able to help um help these uh, members by staying in touch with the Department of National Defense and Veterans Affairs Canada and help to advise them on uh, on any issues regarding amputation or artificial limbs because we have 100 years of experience in amputation and artificial limbs. So we're, we've really been able to, to help along uh, that way and to continue to help war amputee veterans. Is that uh, what uh, you refer to in your literature as the Operation Legacy? Well, in, well, Operation Legacy is actually our connection to that history and, and to our war amputee veterans. Um, both Rachel and I work uh, uh, quite a bit in Operation Legacy, and especially this week. Um, you know, we're very busy attending yeah. ceremonies and, and representing the association in many places. Um, but Operation Legacy is is, uh, is a way for our child amputees in the CHAMP program to really connect with our history and to really thank those war amputee veterans 
who started the association. You know, um, Rachel and I have grown up throughout the program, and, and I myself can't imagine my life without the War Amps, and I can't imagine my life without other entities either. And so uh, that's really what the War Amps has given to me, uh, alongside, you know, artificial limbs and things like that as well. But, um, but you know, the War Amps who started the association and who started the CHAMP program, we really want to be able to remember those people and their comrades and, and remember the sacrifices that they made to give us what we have today. And, and, uh, and that's how we're able to do that is through Operation Legacy. That's great. And, uh, I, I, Jamie, I think that um, in uh, an email that I received, uh, it said that, uh, that you had um, actually laid a wreath here in uh, Peterborough at one of the Remembrance Day ceremonies. Do you still do that? Oh, Rachel, I'm sorry. That's okay, not a problem. I've been laying a wreath for the uh, for Peterborough in the Peterborough uh, County for as long as I can remember, really. I don't want to say years exactly because it was when I was really young. My mom started to take me when I was yet little um, before I really understood the whole idea of what I was doing, and I kind of grew into it, and I grew to learn a lot about the war amps and a lot about military and heritage in general. When I was younger, I also participated in events um, on behalf of the War Amps where I held a booth at the, the Peterborough Armories um, about the War Amps. And there, again, I was able to teach some other people and a lot of schools. So a lot of the youth that came in, my peers, um, different things about the war and about uh, what the War Amps did um, and the different roles that they have to play in connection to military heritage. But... Uh, I will be also laying a wreath again this year uh, on Remembrance Day. I will be home in Peterborough to do that, which I'm looking forward to, as it's a tradition for myself. But it's also something that I hold very close to my heart because I would say that the only reason I know as much as I do about military heritage is because of the war amps. And I can relate it to my sisters who are um, just a few years older than me, so we're all kind of young still, and, and they don't know as much as I do. And I look on it a little bit of a bigger scale, and I realize that my generation, I'm 20 years old, my generation has very little understanding um, on the broad spectrum of, of Remembrance Day, what it means, and kind of what, what, do you, what do you do in that moment of silence, how to say thank you, and so I'm really looking forward to coming back to Peterborough to, to be able to continue that tradition for myself to lay that wreath and, and have um, be able to, to embrace the spirit of remembrance um, back in Peterborough, my hometown. That's great. And uh, that's, that's wonderful. And um, how about you, Jamie? Are you going to be able to make it back to Norwood? Uh, no, I, I will be laying a wreath uh, this year as I do many many uh, past years here in Ottawa at the National Military Cemetery um, in amongst many graves of those who have served and passed and those who have who passed away while serving as well. Um, so I continue to lay a wreath there. Uh, but when I was at home in Norwood, I, uh, I did, you know, go to the cenotaph. I did lay wreaths. I, I was very much involved in, in remembrance there at home. Uh, but, uh, but I have been here for quite some time, and, and, uh, and it is a, a privilege to be able to lay a wreath at the National Military Cemetery at Beechwood. Oh, good. Yeah, that's great. And now, I also wanted to touch a little bit on the Play Safe program. That's still quite active, too, isn't it? Um, the Play Safe is a program that I was involved with as well as a youth, and you are involved with growing up through the War Amps program. The Play Safe program is a kids-to-kids -kids, kids approach, um, essentially on how to play safe, exactly what it says, because we have, have a lot of children who have enrolled in the program due to accidents that could have been prevented, let's say lawnmower or car accident or train accidents, mm -hmm. and a lot of those things um, were were able to be prevented uh, if only maybe there was enough uh, information regarding how serious those situations can be, how serious it is to to stay safe and to not play near train tracks and things like that. So that program, uh, yes, absolutely still is running, um, and there's a lot of things that go on for that program. We do different parades all across Canada. Um, there is a Play Safe 
float. I've ridden on the one in Oshawa before. Um, and again, it's just raising awareness for especially other youth to, to be careful and to play safe around anything that could be deemed dangerous whatsoever. Spot the danger. Exactly. Spot the danger before you play. Yes. Yeah. Are there other programs that WARAMPS offers that you might want to touch on? Sure. Um, one that holds a special place in, in my heart um, is a program called Matching Mothers. Um, and Matching Mothers is a program for families to be connected, for, for fathers too, um, to be connected with other parents and other families who have gone through what you're going through. So the day that I was born, um, my mom called the War Amps and I was connected right away to the War Amps and, and enrolled in the CHAMP program. And about two months later, I actually met, as an infant, I met Jamie sitting here beside me. And Jamie was who I was matched with. Um, when I was two months old. So my mom and her mom were able to get together and um, they were able to speak about things that my mom was worried about, having an infant amputee not knowing what was going to happen. And uh, Jamie was a living experience. She was maybe 12 at the time. Um, and my mom was able to see that I was going to grow up to be okay and that anything that was going to come my mom's way or my way, there are people who have been there who have already dealt with it who have already gone through it and are able to provide um, advice and support, peer support for, for mothers and dads and siblings and families in general. That is cool. So you've been lifelong friends. Exactly, yep. As... It is, uh, it's quite amazing, you know, to be able to, um, to have that support when uh, you're the less experienced amputee and then to also even mentor a young amputee, you know, yourself. Um, being able to, to watch Rachel grow up into the person that she is has been quite amazing. And now I have the privilege of working with her every single day, and that, again, is, is amazing. And, and that's, again, something that the Warriors has given us that we, uh, you know, we would never have had if it weren't for this association. We would never be the people that we are today if we didn't have the War Amps and we didn't have those War Amputee veterans that started the program and also teach us how to live positive lives as amputees. That's wonderful. Uh, so um, people maybe who have lost limbs in Afghanistan or uh, Croatia or the more modern uh, conflicts are, uh, are still a part of uh, war amps, are they? They really are, yes. Yeah. And we're here to help them and to assist them. And as I mentioned before, we have, uh, we have a really great line of communication with the Department of National Defense to make sure that that these amputees, these modern-day war amputees who have lost limbs very recently, um, we, have, we make sure that they have all the information that they need and that they have all the support that they need and the knowledge that they need. Um, the government is there to help them to um, pay for all of the limbs that they need and the support that they need. Um, but again, we're the experts on exactly what they need, so we're able to, to let them know. Yeah. Now, my co-host here, Bob, has been very quiet, uh, and uh, I'm wondering if I've taken all of the time there, Bob, and do you have any questions? I have a question. Is They also have the return address labels at Christmas time from the Yes, wire. we do. Yes, we do. So um, we send out these return address labels as a thank you uh, every fall season, um, and there are actually many different designs that you can order if you do uh, prefer some that aren't holiday-themed. Uh, you can always let us know which ones that you prefer. But yes, we send them out, and and we uh, we hope that they are uh, that uh, that many people enjoy them as much as we do. And I think they're very useful when it comes to you know holiday um, things, holiday cards, or even you know if you have books um, or anything else that you're uh, that you're lending out. Um, but uh, but yeah, they're they're really great as well. Saves you from going to a print shop. Definitely does, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Well, we certainly hope that uh, people will think of uh, War Amps uh, and the organization uh, while they're remembering the uh, veterans who made uh, so many sacrifices during the war years. And um, how can, can you repeat again, uh, one of you, how... Uh, people can contact uh, War Amps? Sure. You can do so by giving us a call at 
Terrific. Is there anything that uh, you wanted to add that we haven't asked you about? I do want to say thank you so much to all the donors who do donate to the War Amps. Uh, without your support of our programs, there would be no way that we'd be able to uh, help as many amputees as we do across the country. Um, so thank you to every single person uh, who finds what we do valuable um, and, and donates to us. Well, thanks so much for chatting with us, both of you, and sharing your histories and, and the history of uh, War Amps as well. We really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you so much. All right. I'm sure we'll be in touch again uh, down through the years and that sort of thing. <laughs> Definitely. Take good care. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. The American Thanksgiving is on Thursday, November 25th. And, uh, of course, um, early, very, very early uh, morning the day after that, uh, as a matter of fact, I have even heard of some American stores being open uh, Thanksgiving evening after the turkey dinner has been consumed. But definitely early, early on the morning of, uh, of what has come to be known as Black Friday, uh, the stores are open and they have crazy sales going. And uh, that lasts through, what do they call that Monday? Mad Monday or something like that. Anyway, the next day is Giving Tuesday. And uh, that's the start of uh, a campaign by a lot of uh, nonprofit organizations to uh, ask for donations. And the Alliance for Equality of Blind Canadians is no exception. I chatted with Chantel Oakes, who is from Kelowna, B.C., and she's a member of the AEBC's fundraising committee. And she's going to tell us a little bit about what AEBC is all about and the kind of things that they're doing. And then she's going to let you know where you can donate if you'd like to, to do that, starting on Giving Tuesday and throughout the month of December. So here's my chat with Chantel. Well, hi, Chantel, and welcome back to the program. Thank you for having me. It's nice that we can do this every year. It uh, gives us the chance to kind of catch up on things. That's right. Now, first of all, tell me um, uh, what the Alliance for Equality of Blind Canadians is. The Alliance for Equality of Blind Canadians referred to as AEBC, is a national grassroots organization whose members are primarily persons who are blind, deafblind, or partially sighted. Um, as well, we have many volunteers who support us. And what our aim is, um, is to advocate 
for our rights to make sure that we are afforded every opportunity that everyone else has, which society has to offer. It's sometimes mind-boggling to realize the, the things that some people don't have the opportunity to take part in simply because they cannot see. And the AEBC, um, who will be celebrating their 30th anniversary next year, has since been trying to advocate for all Canadians who need to be heard or to be taught how to or to be able to advocate for themselves in such a way that the public can understand we need to take our rightful place in society. And I guess there are more and more people with vision loss every year, aren't there, that have to be coached and that sort of thing? Yes. I mean, you know, through... Um, Accidents, whether it's something you were born with, whether it's it's uh, uh, just you know getting a little older, people start to lose their sight for one reason or another. Whether it's through illness, um, we never know when someone is hit with the, the fact that their vision might be diminishing, or perhaps they've never had it at all, and. Um, I can imagine that there probably are many people who don't realize that there is help out there and that they can be part of different groups. There are many of us, I'm sure, um, who can offer assistance, whether it would be with you know, technology or living skills or anything like that, um, whether it's to gainfully find employment um, or just simply, you know, following through with um, living your life and uh, taking part in entertainment and everyday uh, things that are happening around you, the vision loss or people who suffer the loss of their vision shouldn't have to um, be doing without those same opportunities. And peer support is a wonderful thing, isn't it? Like, there's nothing better than uh, for someone who is already blind or partially sighted uh, to uh, be able to teach someone aside from rather than having someone who has perfect sight and has no clue of what it's like to learn new skills or advocate for yourself as someone who is uh, blind, deaf-blind, or partially sighted? Personally, Devin, you're right. I have always found, and this is my opinion as well, that learning from someone who has been in the same situation as I have or someone who's newly um, blind and trying to teach them, I think your support is one of the most um, efficient way to assist someone else and um, it's very very important most especially during the difficult times of uh, the pandemic which we've all found ourselves at one point or another so segregated from others yeah peer support has been a very valuable uh, tool to use yeah whether it's uh in person, uh, and if not that, then over the phone or Zoom or whatever. Absolutely. Technology is there, so we should use it to the best of its uh, uh, abilities. Yes. Mm -hmm. Now, a couple of minutes ago, we, we talked about change. Um, the um, AEBC in British Columbia has undergone a, a bit of a change, hasn't it? Yes, it has. Um, several years ago, we had quite a few chapters um, in British Columbia, probably six at one point. But as time goes on through attrition, you lose a few members or, you know, you 
people find other interests and so on. Um, in the last few years, we've ended up with two chapters, which were the Vancouver, Metro Vancouver, and the Kelowna chapters, and also the BC affiliate, as we had um, provided for in the past to make sure that all chapters were represented in some area, in some instances. So it was decided um, within our membership that we should consolidate those chapters with the BC affiliate and have um, the BC affiliate assume all responsibilities for the advocacy work done in British Columbia. Um, this will help us to um, divide the work a little more equally and, you know, just spread the workload around a little bit. And also what we had found is that some of our executive members are either president of one or both. Yeah. Um, or, you know, there was a lot of us that were kind of doing double the work. Yes. But it wasn't important, but there had to be a better way. So we, um, as a matter of fact, will be um, meeting next week. Uh, the executive role of the BC affiliate to begin our new journey as one and, um, you know, see how we can manage to represent the province without having to uh, spread ourselves so thin. Very good. Well, good luck with that and uh, congratulations. Thank you. The other thing that uh, AEBC as a whole is embarking on is uh, a fundraiser called uh, Giving Tuesday. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Giving Tuesday is a um, Canada Helps promotion and has been going on for the past few years, which we like to take part in because it's, um, it, it's good that there's some support out there publicly to um, invite nonprofit organizations or charities, I should say, to take part in Giving Tuesday. It's a national national um, day where if you feel that it's time for you to give a little back to society, to help a particular charity, um, you know, to um, be able to um, find a way to help out, whether you volunteer or not, your financial contributions are definitely worthwhile, and Giving Tuesday was selected um, always as the the one day where everyone should kind of sit up and pay attention that, you know, it's a time for giving yeah. before the holidays. Right. So how does that work? Um, giving Tuesday is typically either the first Tuesday in December or closest to that date, and this year it's actually November 30th, mm -hmm. and um, so on November 30th, everyone who chooses to make a donation for Giving Tuesday, you would select a charity or two um, to give to and um, be able to support some of the programs that they um, embark in during the year, and I, I would think that most of us would list different programs in our, um, on our profile page to let you know the kind of thing that we do in a very quick way. I know AEDC does, and so you have the opportunity to donate to a specific program or just to our general funds. Okay. Um, yes. Yeah. And is it just that one day? You can actually donate to Canada Helps any time throughout the year. Um, giving Tuesday is simply earmarked to remember that um, it's a day of giving, but our campaign actually will run for the whole month of December. Um, but anyone can feel free to donate to through Canada Helps to us at any time. Okay. And so would they... Um go to uh, can the Canada Helps uh, website? They would go to CanadaHelps.org and they will find a page where they can search for the Alliance for Equality of Blind Canadians. 
it will allow you to, to look at all the different charities that are um, registered there and uh, let you know which ones, you know, are looking for help. And but um, that's where you will find us on the CanadaHelps.org page. Okay. So uh, what people have to uh, remember is uh, the name of AEBC, the Alliance for Equality of Blind Canadians, and remember to go to, to Canada Helps if you're looking for a charity or a non-profit organization to support. Correct. And um, if you happen to forget the name of the organization, but you remember that you're helping blind people, put in the word blind in the search section, and I'm sure that it'll come up with all the different organizations, and you'd be able to find us as well. Um, I believe Canada Helps also lists their uh, charitable organizations by categories of um, you know, how you, what you might like to fund, whether it's social services, education, um, that sort of thing. You know, we can be found under some of those categories as well. Um, so it shouldn't be too hard for uh, you to find us. Or if you do have trouble, you can certainly donate directly to the Alliance for Equality of Blind Canadians at um, blindcanadians.ca, you'll find all of that information. Um, Canada Helps will automatically send your tax receipt to you, um, or at least give you the link where you can find it. So that's one of the good things we like about donating through Canada Helps, because then it also allows us to be certain that um, you've received your tax receipt, and we don't have to worry about that. However, um, donating through us, um, you can also be sure that uh, you will be looked after there as well. How much do you have to donate in order to get a tax receipt? I don't really believe that there's a specific set amount. I believe it's up to the individual to decide whether they need a tax receipt or not. Okay. Um, but, um, uh, you know, it, it's uh, whether or not it's useful to you, but we are thankful for every donation we receive. Yeah. And I imagine that the uh, National would would use the funds for uh, something that covers the whole country and that each of the chapters across the country, um, if they submitted a proposal to National for uh, a fundraiser, they would receive the funds to get that fundraiser or that awareness event off the ground. Is that how that works? Yes, the funds do go to um, to national. It is a national fundraiser, and um, this is how um, you know the funds. If you're donating to the general funds, it assists us in in paying the bills, so to speak. Yeah. Um, it will assist us in paying for our um, Zoom platform that we use throughout the year extensively. That, yes. You know, we, we certainly couldn't do without that program. It assists us in, uh, if you wanted to donate to the scholarship program, you can certainly do that if you want to donate to awareness and training. Uh, advocacy and training, you can certainly select that as well and we'll make sure that your funds are used for that very purpose. Um, otherwise, you know, as you, you probably know, um, expenses, you know, add up after a while, whether it's through purchasing insurance, um, uh, you know, website maintenance, uh, we have to have audits done, that sort of thing. It adds up at the end of the year. Uh, running an organization is not for free. No. Even though we are all volunteers, we put in the time, but there are certain requirements we must follow, and in order to follow that, we have to have the funds to keep it going. So that is one of the main reasons that we appreciate every donation that comes in to us. 
But as I said, if you choose to um, designate your donation, we will honor that for sure. Okay. Um, is now I uh, you and I talked about the BC affiliate. What other uh, chapters are there across the country? We have very active chapters in Ottawa, in Toronto, and in Halifax at this time. Mm -hmm. And um, you know we have several, you know, quite a few members who may not be part of a chapter, but um, either they choose to just participate participate on a national scope, or sometimes they'll um, latch on to another chapter who is doing something that they particularly are interested in. So um, our, our presence is definitely across the country, but um, to date, like I said, we have the uh, three chapters and the BC affiliates that are currently very active. Yeah. So uh, if you make donations to AEBC, um, uh, like you were saying, you can either say where you'd like the money to, to go or, or it will go into the uh, general coffers to cover um, whatever is happening across the country. That's correct, yes. Is there anything else that uh, you and I should be touching on? I was just thinking um, before we, we uh, connected today, and I wondered if it would be worthwhile. This year, our, our campaign um, stems from a little bit of what our campaign had to, had to do with last year for Giving Tuesday. Um, you know, throughout the pandemic, we realized what a, a gift it has been for us to be able to connect virtually. And in some instances, I've heard some people say that's even better for them than meeting in person because yes. that often poses difficulties with things like transportation or, you know, the time it might take to get to a specific location. It may not be feasible for everyone. So, um, however, a lot of people are missing that in-person contact and it can be detrimental to a lot of people. Um, you know, it can affect mental health. It can affect all kinds of things in a person's life when they are used to a specific routine. And um, I'm sure that many, many of us throughout the country have felt this. But think of it for blind people not being able to see. And even when you do go out in public, a lot of times we want to touch things to be able to know where we are or, you know, figure out our surroundings. We want to approach people to get some information or, um, you know, just to, to be more social. Yeah. And that hasn't been possible lately, mm -hmm. at least not as much. So our campaign does stem a lot from, you know, even though we've, we've uh, put on our masks we washed our hands, and we've done everything we're asked to do. Um, you know, the, the cases of, of people contracting COVID are still too high, and we still can't get around the way that we're used to um, being able to do. And it's, it's left us with probably, you know, a big hole in our lives as to how we communicate. Um, being able to talk to someone on the phone is great, but it certainly will never replace being able to see each other in person. No. That you know, physical contact that you can have and uh, the, um, you know, lifestyle that you can share and continue. So, um, yeah, we're just reminding folks that if you can see to get around and, and obey all the signs that say, please don't touch or please, you know, do this, do that, we can't see any of that, or most of us can. And... We struggle even a little more to make sure that we're obeying the rules and that we're complying with all that uh, has been asked of us. So think of you know the burden that's um, on us a little bit more than perhaps um, those folks who don't struggle so much to be able to see around them. Yeah, following those arrows is a little difficult, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> when you can't see that picture and... Unfortunately, you know, we can't we can't expect everyone to be in our shoes to 
be able to understand what yeah. that's like living like that for myself. I have been visually impaired all my life, so there's nothing new here. But if I were a person who recently lost a little bit of my sight and I'm struggling, um, that's going to add to the incredible um, amount of stress that I already have to be able to function and do the things you are all doing, grocery shopping, going to medical appointments, taking your dog for a walk. doesn't matter what it is. Just uh, remember that it's not so easy for all of us. And so, um, you know, any contribution that can be made to alleviate some of that stress and some of those difficult moments is very appreciated. Yes. Um, we, uh, we had uh, AEBC had a, a series of uh, self-advocacy uh, workshops earlier, and I'm sure that helped a lot in... Uh, teaching people how to advocate for themselves, uh, whether it's writing a, a letter or uh, speaking directly face to face, but uh, that doesn't take the the difficulties away. No, from what I understand, it was um, probably four uh, consecutive workshops, and that's you know, in my opinion, um, I'm so glad we were able to do this. But it's just a start. It's a, you know, it's it's a beginning to um, get folks to understand that uh, everyone has the capability of advocating. But if you're unsure or if you don't have the confidence to do that, then you need a little help. And uh, there are many of us who have been doing this sort of work for years. And I'm I'm happy that ABC was able to offer, and that's exactly the, the type of program that we're trying to make sure that we can continue to offer um, with the generosity of folks who are able to um, help us out. At least for the next 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks, Chantel. Um, I think it's a good thing to have... Uh, a yearly reminder of what AEBC is all about and um, encourage those who are blind, uh, deafblind and partially sighted to check out AEBC and see what it's all about and what committees they might be able to serve on and that sort of thing. And also to remind everybody who has a, a few extra dollars uh, to uh, to spare and to donate to um, think of uh, AEBC by either going to AEBC's website, which is blind. That would be blindcanadians.ca. Uh huh. Or going to CanadaHelps.org. CanadaHelps.org will get you to. Um, where you can find different charities to donate, and you will find the Alliance for Equality of Blind Canadians there. Okay. Thank you very much, and all the best for the holiday season. You're very welcome, and the same to you as well. Well, that'll just about do it for another edition of Insight Peterborough. Thank you so much for listening. Before I go, though, I do want to wish our... American audience a very happy Thanksgiving on Thursday, November 25th. Have lots of turkey and enjoy the day. Thanks so much for uh, being with me this week and I do hope that you'll be able to join me again next week. Until then, have a good one and bye for now.